0: Now listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the past Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with you on this glorious victory Tuesday with my buddy Rich Hill. Patriots got back in the win column, clinched a playoff spot with a 34-13 to beatdown of the Cincinnati Bengals, the hapless Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Rich, how you doing, buddy? Hopefully better than the Bengals are today.
0: Oh, you know, it just goes to show that uh, the Patriots probably had a second camera recording that Cincinnati Bengals sideline, because there's no <laughs> other way they would have won. There's no other way... Alec, I'm doing well. Patriots win. They're back on track. Every other team in the AFC that is of import also seem to win as well. You know, two weeks left to go in the year. I I feel like we're at a pretty comfortable point. I I feel like we've been here before years past that the Patriots are in line for one of their their first-round buys. And I think if they can get over that uh, that game next week against the Buffalo Bills— I don't see a reason why they, they can't be back in the AFC championship game for one more year.
1: I certainly hope not, cause if they end up having to drop a game to the Miami Dolphins at home and that costs <laughs> some kind of playoff sitting, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. It's funny, Rich. I don't remember. I'm sure it wasn't as as long ago as I think it was, but I don't remember the last time the Patriots got help in December from a team that needed to lose losing. And that didn't happen this week. The Ravens started off on Thursday beating the crap out of the Jets. The Chiefs beat the crap out of the Broncos, the Texans beat the Titans, everyone that we needed to lose, more or less lost. But that's okay. The Patriots took care of business. As long as they keep doing so, they're going to be fine. But any of the games this week that took place before the Patriots played, you want to talk about it all, or you want to get right into the Bengals?
0: Well, maybe, like, one game that took place. Maybe we can talk about the AFC playoff positioning at this point in time. One game that I caught was between two possible wildcard teams in the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was the Sunday night game. The Bills won 17-10. to 10. And I have to tell you, Alec, that was one of the most painful games I've ever had to watch. It was not a good defensive onslaught. It was just incompetency against incompetency. That Buffalo Bills offense is not good. I mean, John Brown is a very, very good wide receiver, but no one else is very good in that offense as a receiver. Then you have Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, who will always be just, you know, plugging along there. But Singletary is a very good running back that is just a bad offense there, there were so many times where the Steelers tried to give the game away to the Buffalo Bills and the Bills kept saying no no no, no you take it back you take it back <laughs> Fortunately for the Bills, they scored 10 points in that fourth quarter to to ultimately win that game, but they were just hideous. The Pittsburgh Steelers have their third-string quarterback, Devlin Hodges' goes by Duck, I believe, Duck Hodges, and that's what he was throwing out there. He had four interceptions on the day. The final six drives for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they were trying to put this away, they went three and out where they lost six yards. They did six plays and then threw an interception. They did three and out. Three and out and got zero yards. Then they threw another pick and finished the game with an interception. Both of those in the end zone of pretty much. It was just so bad. You could see those plays coming from a mile away. And so I think that the Bills' defense is for real. Don't get me wrong. They rank second in the league right now in points allowed per game. They're an outstanding defense. But that offense is atrocious out in Buffalo, and if this defense is not going to get any help anytime soon, I don't know how much noise the Bills can make in the playoffs.
1: We're going to talk about a lousy offense and a good defense in just a bit, Rich. But um, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the AFC playoff picture because that's what you brought up. I think it's a good thing to talk about. Usually around this time, I feel like we're both less set than we've ever been and more set than we've ever been. Uh, the division leaders, the Ravens have clinched. The Chiefs have clinched. The Patriots and Bills have both clinched a playoff berth but not a division yet. That can happen next week if the Patriots beat the Bills. The AFC South is wide open right now. And that last wild card spot is there's a couple teams vying for that. So what are your early thoughts on the AFC playoff picture? I don't see the Ravens losing personally. I think the Patriots are well in control of that number two seed.
0: But seed three through six is a real toss-up right now in terms of who goes where. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if the, the Ravens win next week or if anyone else drops the game, they, they clinch that home field advantage throughout the postseason. They could do well to rest Lamar Jackson in that final week of the season, give RG3 some time out there. That would be fun to watch. But the the real meat of this AFC is exactly exactly... exactly what you said it's every team below the Baltimore Ravens the Patriots can't afford to lose a game right now because the Kansas City Chiefs have that head-to-head tiebreaker and I don't see the Chiefs dropping a game any point for the rest of the season so the Patriots can't afford to lose to the Bills but there's just like a one game edge from top to bottom New England's fortunately created some distance between themselves and the Houston Texans so I don't think that there's any fear of the Patriots falling to that number four seed But ultimately, this Texans team, they showed that they can beat the Patriots, so you do have to take them seriously enough that uh, I feel like there's a big jumble of teams below the Ravens in the AFC, where you have the Patriots, you have the Chiefs, you have the Texans, and then, honestly, it's either the, the Titans and Bills kind of, like, maybe half step below the rest, but not, like, too far back, because... Titans seem to have come to life, and the, the Bills, they do have a good enough defense that they can make anything a mud fight in the postseason. So if the Titans make that sixth seed, they currently are trailing the Pittsburgh Steelers on tiebreakers for that number six and final seed in the postseason season then, uh, you know, it could be in any team game. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to face most of those teams in the postseason because you're going to have to win on the ground when it's get the mucky sort of weather out there, when it's rainy, it's snowy. And, uh, you know, defenses win in the postseason, even though offenses get you there in the first place. And there's a lot of good defenses that are out there in the AFC, and that doesn't fare well for the Patriots in their weak offense.
1: No, it doesn't, Rich Bill. especially because despite the fact that maybe I'm just being a curmudgeon as Scrooge right now in this holiday season, but despite the fact that the Bengals game was 34-13, to which is a blowout any way you look at it, I don't think the final score is really reflective on the offense performing well, other than basically – Maybe two drives, maybe one or two drives where they strung up multiple plays together. Their opening drive, and maybe then the Keel Harry touchdown drive. If you want to factor that one in there, the Patriots were kind of gifted, really good field position, and it still took them a long time to do anything with it. They had to pick six from Gilmore. Uh, I, I, despite the fact that the Bengals are the worst team in the league. And the page has put a lot of points up. I still didn't walk away from that game feeling like, oh, they've righted the ship. I'm now more confident
0: than I was last week, and things are getting better. Am I being overreactive here, or is that legitimate? I think it's totally legitimate. I I don't think that this Patriots offense showed anything against this Buffalo Bills or sorry, against the Cincinnati Bengals team that we haven't already seen before from them, which you mentioned this before the podcast is that the Patriots seem to do very, very well when they start the game. So they led a very impressive opening drive touchdown, eight plays, seventy five yards against this Bengals team and with a nice little touchdown and uh you know they've done that in previous weeks too they they had a five play 44 yard touchdown uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs to to open that game um And then they also had uh, an opening uh, game drive to score field goal, I believe it was, against the, the Houston Texans. So when they have those scripted plays in their pocket, they seem to be able to effectively produce. And part of that is just, uh you know, you give credit to the practice that they've put in during the off week where they know exactly what they want to do and they're able to do it. And I think it really indicates that this is a young offense, this is an inexperienced offense, where you have a lot of players that are continuing to grow into their roles, like Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, they're players that you can't quite rely on during the the meat of the game, where they're starting to do a lot of adjustments, and they'll continue to improve as the season continues onwards, know, hopefully they'll they'll get everything under their belt that they need to by the postseason, but... I mean, there was nothing that the Patriots did against the Bengals that made me feel any confidence whatsoever because, I mean, think of how they scored. They got 10 points one uh, basically for free with nothing from the offense. They had a pick six from Stephon Gilmore, and then they had a field goal that was right before the end of the half— That they got from a muffed punt where the Patriots lost five yards and settled for a field goal. So ultimately they gained negative five yards and put ten points on the board. The rest of it, they had two touchdowns in the second half where they were gifted the ball uh, on the, the Bengals' side of the field. So they were playing with some short field. It's just, you know, you expect them to score against the worst team in the league. They did it, so you're happy with that. But I would like to see a little bit more consistency than we did from the offense.
1: You know, what's funny, too, is that you think about the playoffs and what the Patriots were able to do in playoffs of past and how when they're clicking and when things are going well or when they need points quickly, it's the end of the half, the end of the game. And they have to go to the line and run that no huddle offense. Tom Brady's one of the best of all time at running the no huddle offense. I have to legitimately question. Whether the young receivers, as you mentioned, are not really adjusting well enough, is he confident enough in his receivers, in his offensive line, in the entire offensive squad, to all be on the same page in the no-huddle offense when they have to score points quickly? Uh, It may not be the case. And if you look at how the Patriots have fared before halftime, that patented Belichick double dip, I can't remember off the top of my head a single game where they double-dipped, where they scored, got the ball back, and scored again to kind of put a game out of reach. So it really makes me wonder if this offense, they need to script plays even more and how you can even go about doing that because you script the first 15 plays or so of a game, but then you got to adjust based on what the defense is showing, and it's a kind of a chess match at that point. Um, it's really concerning, and again, maybe next week against the Bills that the Patriots can somehow put 38 points on the board and, and look really good. Uh, offensively, I'll feel better. But at the same time, Rachel, will also say this. I feel like if I were to rewind to December 20th or so of last year, you <laughs> would probably be the exact same conversation about beating up on these lousy teams. And, yeah, they ran the ball well, but who cares because they can't stand away from these crappy offenses. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just being reactionary.
0: Well, I don't. I don't think it's too reactionary because the offense hasn't looked good for most of the season. It's continued onwards, and they were again pretty ineffective against the Bengals team from like an efficiency standpoint. You know, they they did what they could with positive field position, and you give them credit for that. But they didn't do anything above and beyond what an average offense would do, given that exceptional field position that they had. And you see what Tom Brady was able to produce with his offensive cast: 128 passing yards. That is terrible. That is... It doesn't matter what quality receiver you have. That is just not good for a passing game. And there were plenty of drops to go around. I mean, Mohamed Sanu had eight targets and only collected two of them. He had a couple big drops out there. Edelman had a big drop. Uh, I believe Nick, uh, James White had a drop. Sonny Michelle. I don't want to blame him too much for that drop in the end zone. That was a bad pass from Tom Brady, but there were just some small little inaccuracies or just mental errors by the Patriots players. I think James White had a drop as well in the open field where maybe Tom Brady would have been able to rack up some more yardage to kind of give some more credence to this offense, but I still didn't see it. Like, the way that the Patriots compensated was on the ground. And so my question to you is Patriots gained 170, uh, 177 yards on 30 carries uh, with non-Tom Brady kneel downs. Do you think that the rushing game is for real?
1: Uh, I, It's funny because I think they, they, they flash at times. And I think the best example of it actually is when the game's already out of hand, but the Rex Burkhead run, he ran behind Shaq Mason on a great pull block, made a juke and hit was a 30 plus yards, 33 yards to the end zone. But thought that was a great play and indicative of what the running game can be. But this offensive line is so inconsistent, Rich. And one thing I never thought I'd say is that, I think the biggest liability on that line right now is actually Marcus Cannon. Uh, he's been one of the more kind of stalwart players in terms of availability, but he gave up both the sacks. They were on him. Uh, the right side of the line collapses very quickly. Maybe Shaq Mason's having to double-team guys or help him out, which opens up uh, – closes down the A-gaps, which I know they do on a lot of power runs. I don't know. I'm going to give the the running game an incomplete still. um, I I have seen them do really good things with their pull blocks and their, their, their push at the line. But I see them getting pushed back a lot, too. So what I'm really hoping happens is well, I think for a long time we were talking about how when Isaiah Wynn came back, it would open up the running game, which would in turn get the passing game going. We really haven't seen that, so maybe it'll be kind of a reverse of that, where they can get the short passing game going, and that'll open up the run a little bit more, because I need to see more consistency from the offensive line before I can really give any kind of positive grade to the running game.
0: No, that's all true, too, and, and they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Ted Karras came back, and I think that was a big boost for that offensive run blocking, but we also saw them concede a lot of pass uh pressure in the first half that they kind of seem to settle down in the second half with but with regards to any sort of consistent reliability from this pat rushing game I would like to see it a little bit more before we can say that they're a dominant rushing attack but it is nice to say that you know two of the past three weeks so you have the the Texans game where they gained 145 yards on the ground and then this game against the Bengals where they had 175 that Those are the top two rushing games for the Patriots this season, and they've both come pretty recently. So it appears like the rushing game is starting to click a little bit better than it was earlier in the year, even if it's not perfect. We're seeing a little bit more reliability from Michelle and Burkhead out of that backfield. Uh, I think that some of the roles are settling down. Having Isaiah Win back is absolutely helpful, but I think we're also seeing some improvement from Shaq Mason, who has reclaimed his all-pro level form at right guard, and Joe Tooney is still amazing at left guard. So all of the pieces are kind of falling into place. I agree with you that Marcus Cannon is a little bit of the weak link, and you just have to hope that someone emerges in this offense as a receiver so Tom Brady isn't throwing to just a completely hobbled Julian Edelman who is absolutely ineffective out there now uh, one more question on the offense for you from me assuming Edelman is fine you know I'm going to believe that the Patriots will try to make sure that he's as healthy as possible for the postseason because he is so important outside of Julian Edelman which wide receiver or tight end do you think is in the best possible position to step up for this passing game
1: uh, I don't know about in the best possible position. The one that absolutely has to step up, I think, is Mohamed Sanu. Uh, I I think I was leading the Mohamed Sanu celebration parade when he got traded, because Bill Belichick's been after him since the Cincinnati Bengals. They tried to trade for him then. They tried to acquire him when he's a free agent. They tried to trade him when the when he was on the Falcons earlier. They couldn't get him, which led me to believe there's something in this guy that Belichick really really liked. And on, had a great I think the second game of his, of his, his career of the Patriots. He had a 10 catch day. And he's had 11 catches since, uh, including a couple of drops, including one on fourth down. I don't know. I think that he really needs to stop being a unreliable target and be a reliable target. Uh, one wasn't his fault. I remember he got open on a post route that Brady overthrew because Brady had a pretty bad day yesterday with, with accuracy. You really can't deny that. Um, but I think that they put a lot of capital in Muhammad Sanu to give a second-round pickup for him. They invested a first round on Nikhil Harry, who I think is coming along very well. I like the end around that Josh McDaniels used to get him involved in the game. He had a great day as a blocking receiver. He sprung uh, St- Sonny Michelle for a couple of big ones on third downs. So I like what he's developing as. Uh, Philip Dorsett is a number four receiver. He's always been a number four receiver. If you force him into a, a higher role than that, he's not as good, and that's not really his fault. He's more or less disappeared anyway from the offensive attack as it is to begin with. He had no catches. I don't think he had any, he had any targets at uh, the Patriots uh, against the Bengals. But Muhammad Sanu, had two catches for 13 yards on eight targets. That's just not going to cut it for a guy to give a second rounder up for. And whatever he's got to do to get on the same page with Tom Brady and get this groove going, he's got to do it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because right now he's averaging four yards per target as a receiver that's pretty embarrassing. That's not good at all. And to make it even worse, Akilah like Harry is averaging 3.9 yards per target. So they are not producing with the opportunities that they have. But I think what's important is uh, just the fact that Sanu very clearly is not on the same page as Tom Brady. And that was what stood out to me a couple times uh, again in the game against the Bengals is that on those passes where it looked like Tom Brady was definitely overthrowing him, and this happened multiple times in that first game, it appeared to me that Sanu was flattening out his route when Tom Brady was expecting him to open up and go down the field a little bit based off of the coverage based off of the position of the defenders and it happened enough times that it made me think that they're still trying to figure out where Sanu or how Sanu can pick up more of the offense and getting him the ball in space and allowing him to operate and that's why I kind of think that Nikhil Harry is in the best possible position to be that number two guy for the Patriots because they have found a way to get him involved I I was looking at the numbers and Uh, He should have had that touchdown last week. Absolutely. He was playing limited snaps after he allowed that interception against the Houston Texans. That was absolutely his fault. But I I would like to think, and I hope that that non-call touchdown was a turning point for Harry because he has seemed to be a much bigger presence for the Patriots since that moment. Uh, If you combine his two snaps against the Chiefs with his 38 that he had against the Bengals, he had I believe it was like a 34 or 36 yard reception called back for a false start against Julian Edelman. He laid out for that play. It was amazing. I don't think we've seen a wide receiver make that sort of play for the Patriots in a little bit of a, some time. And over those past 40 snaps that Nikhil Harry has had with the Patriots, I guess technically 41 if you include that penalty, if they record allowed that big catch to, to stand, he would have 88 yards and two touchdowns over 40 snaps, which is like very good that would make him a very efficient option in that offense i think that is the trajectory he's on he will continue to be more and more reliable he will get more and more confidence in that offense and i really liked how when the play break broke down when he was before his touchdown catch that he stayed in bounds bill belichick noted that he did a great job fighting to stay in field so he would still be an eligible receiver and those are the plays that really allow a young receiver to develop trust with Tom Brady, and he's doing all of the right things. He's very evidently showing why the Patriots made him a first-round pick, and you just have to hope that he can continue to build off of each of those games. And I, I think that he'll have some incredibly stiff competition against the Buffalo Bills next week, but hopefully by the, you know, the end of the regular season, he'll have cemented himself as that number two option.
1: And the goodness about all this, Rich, is, again, the Patriots defense seems to have had their hiccup. They've gotten it out of the way. And if you can score basically 20 points is all the offense is really required to do. Against most teams, if you can score 20 points, three touchdowns, you're probably going to win the game because the defense is playing lights out, despite some little hiccups early in the Bengals game where that first drive, man, where the Bengals just ran the ball like it was Army-Navy right down the field and <laughs> scored. I was like, are you kidding me? There are a couple plays that were very concerning in that. Joe Mixon's a great Running back. I don't. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the entire league because he plays for the Bengals and no one sees him. What a talent he is. So no discredit there. But there are a couple of plays where they had him dead to rights in the backfield, him or Giovanni Bernard, and these missed tackles, blue tackles, and he was able to pick up big gains. But other than that, and once they settled in and switched back to their big four three. The Bengals were able to do exactly nothing from about the middle of the second quarter through to the end of the game. And it's that kind of adjustment and that kind of unity that makes me very excited for the fact that the Patriots offense, as lousy as they are, just doesn't need to score that much. Because the defense will put them in a good position to win, and the special teams are going to get a blocked punt or a muff punt every single game. So (laughs) it's a good, good place to be.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can trust this defense better than any other defensive unit we've seen under Bill Belichick. There's this very impressive stat going around from Football Outsiders where they do advanced analytics for the NFL and they compare how teams are producing versus the, you know, the average team given all the same circumstances. So, you know, if you're at midfield, first and 10, what does the average team produce in that circumstance? And so they accumulate all of the value above average over the course of the season, and that's how much better compared to the average team you are. And they've evaluated this Patriots defense, and right now, dating back to the early 1980s, including the 85 Bears, This is the fourth best defense through 14 games that they've ever recorded. And so this Patriots defense is up there with legendary defenses like the 1985 Bears that rank third, the 2002 Buccaneers that rank second, and the 1991 Eagles that rank first, I believe. And so those are three outstanding defenses ahead of the Patriots, which are just a hair behind the 85 Bears. That is mind-bogglingly good. They've been producing at such a consistently high level. They are adjusted for the fact that they've played pretty terrible offenses. So not only are they doing well given the circumstances, they're giving well given every circumstance. And so this is a Patriots defense that you can absolutely count on. They have another easy team to play. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that doesn't come back to bite me next week against the Buffalo Bills. And you just have to think, is Stephon Gilmore who is for my money the best defensive player on the Patriots, the best cornerback in the NFL. Alec, is he the defensive player of the year front runner at this point? I just don't know how he could not be. I mean granted, <clears throat> excuse me, I have not watched
1: that much football outside of New England Patriots. I just don't find the game exciting anymore for a lot of reasons. So there might be some guy elsewhere in the NFL just lighting it up who isn't Stefan Gilmore. But given the fact that he has two pick sixes all the interceptions he has, all the pass breakup he has, the QBR against him is off the charts. The, the the catch rate is off the charts. He may be, I don't know, I have to go back and really think about this, but he may be the single best free agent signing of the Bill Belichick era. Ooh. And he completely allows that defense to do what it does. Uh, him and your secondary in particular, but Stefan Gilmore in particular, you put him on an island with some guy, whoever that some guy is, is not touching the ball or will get maybe two receptions for 26 yards, and they can adjust their defensive scheme around that. If that And, and him being that linchpin on the best defense in the NFL, if that doesn't translate to the DPOY award, I legitimately don't know what
0: will because everything and all signs point to him winning it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's a few contenders that are out there in my mind. You have Shaq Barrett, who currently leads the league in sacks with 16 and a half. And it makes sense that he's in the contention because sacks are the, you know, it's the stat that grabs attention. So he is in the conversation But he's also on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which have one of the five worst defenses in the entire league. So I have a hard time thinking that the voters will say he's the defensive player of the year, even though he's on one of the worst defenses in the entire league. Then you have TJ Watt, who, you know, he is a great pass rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's doing a great job. But I think you can make the argument that his teammate Minka Fitzpatrick is just as, if not more important than TJ Watt because that defense was not good until Minka Fitzpatrick joined the unit and turned it around so TJ Watt is doing well in a vacuum but is he dictating the entire defense is he like the ultimate defender of that defense and I honestly don't think he is I, I think that Minka Fitzpatrick is more important and then there's also Aaron Donald who has won it two years in a row who currently leads the league in tackles for loss he's towards the top in sacks he's an absolute monster he you know i mean he he's a generational talent in the sense that we haven't seen a player as good as him at his position in a long time uh, assuming that we consider jj watt a different type of defensive lineman and i mean aaron donald i i just see there being voter fatigue because he was defensive player of the year last year, but his numbers, his production has de- declined uh, not through any follow zone just because like doubles and triple teams, etc. but I see the voters saying, you know he has not produced at the same level as he has in previous years and so let's give it to someone else And I mean I think Stefan Gilmore is having an all-time year at the position of cornerback. He is doing it for one of the all-time defenses and so you can't not give it to the best player on the best defense who is also himself having an all-time season.
1: I'll tell you I completely agree, but one thing I'll maybe I'll close with this because it's an interesting question that I kind of posed to the the world and haven't really gotten an answer yet. I feel like maybe earlier in the season early front runner for Patriots at least Patriots if not league-wide defensive player of the year was Jamie Collins mm-hmm. he came in here had an absolute revival was dominating was athletic and freakish and everything we thought he was going to be and continue to be during his first state in New England and he hasn't been bad he's been fine but he's been missing tackles a little bit you haven't heard his name as much as you used to what happened with Jamie Collins in the past couple of weeks think it's more of a schematic thing or is he kind of just falling off play-wise well, what's his deal do you think
0: I mean, I I think he's still playing at a high level. I think it's just showing that even the greatest players in the league will have some sort of bumps up and down the road. And that's why you got to give credit to consistency with players who are able to operate at that high level every single snap of every single game because Gilmore doesn't have those lapses. TJ Watt doesn't have those lapses. Aaron Donald doesn't have those lapses. And so while Collins is doing exceptionally well at his position, I I would not be surprised if he was considered an All-Pro this year. I don't think he would be considered in the running for defensive player of the year, despite the fact that he has all of that very special and unique production, just because he hasn't been able to do it as consistently. And honestly, I mean, I think he's been great. I would argue that Kyle Van Noy might even be the the more impactful linebacker for the Patriots uh, over the course of the year. But I mean, it's hard to complain with both Col- or all three of Collins, Hightower, and Van Noy producing for that Patriots defense. So I like them all. And then Collins is, uh, you know, undeniably a great player. I just think that Gilmore has done more, done it more consistently, and done it more impressively over the whole season. And hopefully he'll have a chance
1: to get another pick six or two on Saturday, which is a weird time for a football game to happen, but that's the NFL for you against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we'll talk more about that game on Thursday, obviously, Rich. But uh, based on what we saw on Sunday night, as you alluded to earlier in the podcast, Steelers-Bills game, this Bills offense is not that good. It should be like a 6-3 a, a to three kind of game, I'm thinking, with the Patriots and Bills matchup on Saturday.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be an ugly little fast. We'll see how the weather is. That'll probably dictate a lot. Hopefully the Patriots run game will be up to the task after not doing too well over the past couple of weeks uh, on the ground. But, uh, you know, if you can stop that Bills rushing attack, they're not going to have an offense whatsoever. So you got to believe in the Patriots figuring it out. Hopefully they'll be able to get a couple more points than the Bills are able to. We will have more on patspulpit.com. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 15 of the NFL season before we head into the final stretch?
1: We were on
0: to Cincinnati, and now we're on to Buffalo. Oh, absolutely. And Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.